Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Rap Chats. Yeah, how are you, Paul? I'm good, yeah, in great form. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah we've been looking through the festival programme for Diff. That, um, oh, that looks very exciting. The Virgin Media Dublin Film Festival. Yes, on brand. Good man. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, these details, you know, are important. Yeah, have a look at the... Pro- we've, yeah, myself and Paul went to the launch and the trailer, the kind of And in my head, was, like, waiting outside, I was just like uh, c- continually hearing, get ready for the launch. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, it was, yeah, it was yeah, it was a nice evening. And uh, yeah, the trailer, they kind of have a nice promo for the festival yeah yeah that's up online check it out yeah we have we're gonna have Grania Humphreys uh, sometime next week uh, so keep your ears peeled for that and she's gonna tell us all about the festival and all about being a festival programmer yeah it's an interesting one um so keep your ear how do you like do you keep your ears peeled do you uh, keep your you keep your eyes. ear to the to the ground that's that's what I think yeah, yeah so keep your ear to the ground <laughs> and your nose on the grindstone. I don't know. What kind of analogy? <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, what it is, um, I was at the cinema the other day and I saw the trailer for Hole in the Ground by Lee Cronin uh, with Sean Curse, like, and it's getting rave reviews. Yeah, it's flying. Else. It's being compared to all sorts of amazing, uh, you know, top class genre films. Yeah. I mean, so uh, check out the, the trailer, share it, support Irish film, all that type of stuff. Yeah. Lee's also great crack and a lovely guy. And go back and listen to the episode. Then. Yeah, he was in with us as well a few months ago. So yeah. have a have a listen again to that or if you haven't listened to hop on to Spotify or iTunes or on the Headstuff yeah. Podcast Network website and check that out. It's really good. It's very good. And speaking of other genre films, I won't say horror <laughs> no, we won't say horror. thriller. Uh, Vico Nietzsche's Cellar Door is in cinemas at the moment. Uh, it's definitely a film you'd want to see in cinema, and he is our guest today. Yes, he is our guest, and a lovely man he is too. Yeah, really interesting guy. This is a really, really good episode. Mm-hmm. Um, got a lot of insight. Just, uh, yeah, he's a very interesting guy. Decent old skin who really cares about what he does, and I think it's, um, if you're... If you're approaching your kind of first feature and you're working towards that kind of uh, direction, it's one that you should, this one is one that you should, if you enjoyed it, share with a friend um, yeah. and, and get motivated. Yeah, one uh, best first feature at Galway. I guess his first drama feature because he did, he had a documentary a do- a, a feature. A doc feature called? Yeah. Coming Home. Coming Home. Which looks amazing as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, in other news, we've a screenwriting class coming up uh, next week uh, with uh, Ipwishin. Um, you should get involved in that if you're working towards Storyland, which is coming up. Uh, there's an information night on Monday, I think. Uh, yeah. Um, so, you know, maybe that's something that might want to help you coincide with, an, a, 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 you know, a team effort uh, that you might be pitching for that. Yeah, um, yeah. It, have a look now. This is the time of year you need to be looking at the deadlines. So I think there's, I think Calaire have one. Mm-hmm. Um, the film board, or the Screen Ireland ones have been announced. Uh, so I think you're looking at uh, short stories and real shorts. Uh, so they're the five minute shorts and the short documentaries for 20k. I think the deadline's the 22nd of March, mm-hmm. and then focus shorts, which is 50k. There's money out there, guys. There's mm-hmm. also, I mean, I mean, look at what's available to you out there. 
the, the county councils are they're, they're literally springing up like mushrooms in Super Mario Brothers yeah. funding for these. You gotta grab them while they're there because they might not be there. Yeah, they're like Pokemon. You have to you have yeah. to gotta catch them all. <laughs> um, so yeah, <laughs> just know what's available to you and do it. Get your teams together. Go to networking events and uh, hashtag. Make a name for yourself. <laughs> um, but we really appreciate uh, appreciate your support. And as always, if you'd like to support Film Network Ireland, uh, FNI Rap Chat, or anything uh, kind of uh, FNI related, uh, go to www.buymeacoffee.com forward slash FNI. Very good. Very good. Okay, so here is Vigo Nietzsche. Vico Nietzsche, you're very welcome in the Headstuff studio. How are you doing? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Good, good. Um, could you tell us a little bit about uh, how you came to the genre of horror uh, for this film? Is it, Are you a huge horror fan? And uh, generally, <laughs> uh, uh, how do you, like, what kind of state do you think horror is in these days? That's it's interesting that you do take the film as horror, and it's not. I mean, you're not. It's it's not. It's not a unique perspective. Mm. But I didn't come like approach the film as a horror film. Right. Okay. Yeah. It's it's hor- You know, there's horrific things in it. Yeah. Um, but I don't know if it's a contribution to the horror genre. Actually. Okay. I think I think it's more kind of. Um, Psychological thriller. Psychological thriller. Yeah. You know, it, it's been called a kind of thriller mystery. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, but horror, I mean, look, there's, there's, there's a few things in there that make people flinch. That's for sure. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Um, but it's more psychological. It's, that's I think it's fair. More... Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll retract my, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, what I... were you afraid? Uh, yeah, definitely parts. There's, yeah. there's, cause they're, yeah, you're right. It's not over. You're, you're not trying to go, you're not going for cheap scares at all. No. And that what's, what's, that's what made it more powerful. Um, well, I kind of saw that as kind of a, a trip, you mm. know, from start to finish. Once you're in, you're, it's like you're you're strapped in, yeah, and it's a bit of a roller coaster. It's full on. It's intense. So yeah, okay, very thriller. I think is probably a better. Well, I mean, even the words you you describe are great. I mean, thank you very much for for, <laughs> for the kind words about the film because it is that it is it. You know, the 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 design was you get strapped in, you go for this subjective ride, yeah. And you come off like a roller coaster, and it's funny. I did a Q and A last night about it, and and one of the questions was about the editing. And um, it, you know, when I cut the film, the the kind of emotional experience that I wanted the the edit to convey is that is is this ride mm. that you come off and you still feel, which is very very interesting, yeah, uh, and very difficult. But you know, one of the, my last kind of pass at the edit, one of the things I usually do is I watch the film on fast forward. Um, on my timeline okay. before I lock picture, you know, and then you get you learn a lot if you watch something in say five minutes, the ninety minute film. You see, you know, the kind of contrast of scenes, fast scenes, slow scenes, you know, inside scenes, outside scenes. Mm. And one of the things that this does is you see the edit and the cinematography settle. Mm. So, like you know, when you get off a roller coaster and you kind of still feel like you're moving, yeah, like that's what the edit does. It makes it feel like even when it settles into these kind of long sequences at the end, yeah. when you're when the mystery's revealed and you know, hope like as audiences have been doing, they get an emotional reaction yeah. that they didn't expect. Um, you still have the effects 
of of that roller coaster ride. Yeah, which is interesting to see and play out and have people articulate in different ways. Yeah, yeah. And how did the idea come about? Um, it was, it, you know, it was an interesting thing because I wrote the script for um, for students to do. Okay. Uh, I didn't I didn't write it for for me to make. Yeah. Um, so it was a kind of tight deadline how to do it yeah. but it, it, i kind of had the time that i needed to have and this yeah. is you know i've described it like a fever dream right when i when i opened up that first page you yeah. know eight days later cellar door as you saw it pretty yeah. much and you were like fuck the students this is too good to go well I, you know <laughs> a little bit <laughs> hey no, it's something was, else it's, yeah. it's a comedy you guys should do that you, you're all really good at comedy it was a bit like <laughs> no it wasn't it wasn't like that what happened was um uh, david collins the producer in samson read yeah, it yeah. and he's like we got to do that. it was just one of those things where it fell over Christmas so then they weren't going to get it until January so you know what are you working on here's what I'm working on yeah uh, and then a lot of people respond to the script so there was a period of like you know like the Indiana Jones thing where you got to take the idol and put the sand back I gotta swap this around yeah um, but uh, I ended up uh, you know getting them another project to do Okay, cool. Actually, I gave them the choice, and then they chose the other project. So that was, oh, you know. Cool. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, but when we, we, look, David came on board. He's an incredible producer. He's really supportive of, like, this archer kind of mad, you know, fucking, mm-hmm. like, like director-driven vision. Yeah. Um, and, it, you know, and, and, and not just saying that, because he really had to um, uh, support changes of direction and support kind of really kind of unorthodox ways of, of making the film. Mm. Um, but I think it was always needed. So when you're saying where it come from, like, that's, that's why I wrote the script, but yeah. where the story came from was um, some of the stories that were breaking out here at that time. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, with the, with the children's homes and things like yeah. that. And mm. now that became, I think that's where the horror comes from. Mm. That's where the, you know, the kind of conflict comes from. Yeah. Um, and I merged with this character. I had this character called Aidy, mm. who was this kind of spirited, you know, like, just... You know, a, a badass fighter. Yeah. You know, who 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 had this very kind of, um, um, you know, passionate goal of of getting her son, uh, and and when I put her in that backdrop, that's that's where that film came from. Okay, yeah, and was that something you had to be mindful of? Just kind of, just how sensitive. The, it's all very raw, you know, the yeah. man, that situation with the Magdalene. How how did you kind of manage that? I, yeah, I don't know if I, th- you know, I, I I didn't think about being sensitive to it. I just thought about my, re- I, like, my reaction was raw. Mm. Do you know? My mm. reaction was raw. Like, I've got three kids. Yeah. And I saw this report last night. I don't know if you guys saw it. Uh, there was a report on the tomb on, uh, okay. I think it was primetime. And I get sent a lot of that because, mm. they, you know, people know that I got, you know, I, I was inspired by that. Mm. Um, you know, when, when, I, when, I, when I hear about those things and, and my reaction is raw, I think, mm. like, somebody's got to answer for that yeah i mm. think like like fuck you to the people that ran those places yeah. do you know what i mean that's yeah. what i think yeah any you know? debate is an interesting debate yeah you yeah. know and it's and it's a piece i think it's a piece of art you you put it up you you know you get you get the responses and and it, you know it very much has um uh you know th- that institution as an antagonistic force mm-hmm. um and i think it is a raw you know punch back at <laughs> my feeling when these things come out and then look it's not I mean, it's not just me. Like, a lot of people are really upset by a lot of stuff that's happened in this country. Yeah. Um, you know, when it comes to mother and babies' homes and all that kind of stuff. So, like, if you're, you know, I, you know, I think part of it is being, you know, honest and, and truthful in, yeah. in reactions. Yeah. You know, and I think they've got to step up and be honest and truthful in, in yeah. um, you know, in, in response to what's discovered. 
Mm. And what kind of reactions are you getting and kind of feedback at these Q&A? Are you, it's interesting. Like, yeah, I mean, and not on that, actually, because right. people, you know, there's two strands to the film. There's that, you know, there's what we can talk about before seeing the film yeah, and yeah. what we can only talk about after seeing the film. So yeah. it's funny when, when we do Q&As, it's, it, it kind of focuses on that second strand because right. it is a mystery that gets revealed. And I think revealing the mystery before you see the film takes away the experience. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, are, you know, you, are you trying to say that people should go to the cinema and see your film? I, th I think so. <laughs> <laughs> I, think people, I think people should go to the yeah. cinema, period. Yeah, and if they happen course, to see yeah. my film, I'd I absolutely love that and love to hear responses. But, you know, like in this day and age again man it's tough to get out there and and, mm. and go see these films um uh and there's a lot out there there's yeah. a lot out there and i think you know it, there's, it's just a completely different experience especially with this film yeah you know and and where i mean i know a lot of people say that right but i can prove it right? yeah. <laughs> because when you have a film like cellar door that is mystery we've we told the story on a lot of different layers not just dialogue not just performance we told the story with cinematography we told the story with with editing we told the story with sound And sound had two massive strands. It had the score uh, by by Ray Harmon, who was brilliant. It's brilliant. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, he's amazing. I mean, he's done so much stuff. But he's, yeah. I mean, uh, how he like came approach. I, I'll so tell you a little about this. Yeah. In it, yeah. Oh, it's incredible. It's yeah. And then the sound design by Aza and Patrick in, in um, and and their team in in Egg. Um, and, and both those strands come together. And then, you know, obviously you have the 5-1 mix. So you're in the cinema and it's very immersive. You know, mm -hmm. they come together and they tell a good chunk of the story that I think you miss out if you're watching, you know, if you're not watching mm -hmm. in that mm -hmm. in that theater. And, and the like communal effect with the group, you know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but one of the things that I can say about the score is that we have this incredible song in it. And a lot of it was this kind of, a lot of the score was this deconstruction of the song. And then... And then kind of, you know, taking those stems of the song and reimagining them and rewriting them based on the emotional state of the character in that particular scene. Okay. So what a happens when you hear the a song? A lot of manipulation, like audio manipulation. It's all manipulation. What it has to be. It's a narrative <laughs> yeah. in itself. It's yeah. its own narrative. Yeah. It is, yeah. And because because of the genre, because of the genre, you know, it's it's um, it's audio kind of clues. Mm. It's it's manipulating sound and manipulating music. To, to give you an emotional response to when you actually hear it. So when you hear the song, you feel like you've heard it. Yeah. Ah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Before you've heard it, because you've been hearing it the whole time. <laughs> you know, and it kind of bypasses that part of your memory that goes into your gut. You yeah, know? yeah. It's so, like a psychological echo. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's like a pre-echo, yeah. Yeah, yeah, pre-echo. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, you, you kind of touched on it there, because the, the trailer is really good. That was... The, Did you did you have any part of that, or was that distribution, or how do you how would you kind of look at how how you how do you promote a film? Yeah, how do you make yeah. an awesome trailer? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you watch it's something you never trailers. get to talk to filmmakers much about. No, I listen. The tr I you know I appreciate that again. Thank you because the, you know one of the hardest things I've ever done in my career was cut the trailer to coming home my 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 documentary right. yeah um and it was one of those things where you know i was kind of circling around it for you know for for weeks yeah. because i didn't really want to do it yeah and then you just have to um and then it took a while and it was it was a very difficult thing to do and then i said never again right yeah 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 <laughs> i said never again i never want to cut another trailer um you know cut to this <laughs> so i ended yeah. up cutting that trailer uh, but with the help of 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 um you know a, a couple of editors it kind of went through passes um you know it's just it's part of the story you know and i thought 
um, I, I kind of had a very specific way of a style of, of um, the trailer and how to tell Disney, like a little short mini story. Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, it's like, how do you not give away what the film's really about? And how do you, and, you know, how do you make it like a marketing tool and not just, you know, a, a story tool or a, like a like little like mini film? Yeah. Um, so, no, I'm glad you like it. It was just, you know, it was one night staying o- right. up overnight yeah. in my studio. Yeah, <laughs> it's a hard one to hit your marks and still, yeah. you know. Give enough, but not too much. Yeah, yeah it's interesting. Well, you know, can I just say yeah, before, yeah. like Lisa Lamb, who's the singer of the trailer. So we we used a track called "Beautiful Dreamer," and then we had Lisa come in and record it, and she just recorded an outstanding, kind of haunting, like gorgeous version of the song. Right. Yeah. Um, and and that's that was the heart of, of the. Tra- I mean, I, that's what I knew um, the trailer needed, and the film needed that mm-hmm. song and a voice like Lisa's to, to sing it. So then it be- it became kind of you know that became your script. Right. You know, yeah. and then and then you're you're putting in beats and dialogue in between the lyrics, yeah. in between the breath of the song, mm-hmm. so you can have you know you, you can have the song play out, and yeah. then you can hear the parts of the story that you need to hear. Okay, um, we might go back. Let's go way back. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, tell us about. I suppose tell us about your your introduction to film. How 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 you artistically um, kind of found your way into what you're doing. Um, where are you from? <laughs> um, I am from, I'm, I'm originally from Kosovo. So oh, I'm Albanian. Oh, 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 brilliant. Yeah, through and through, 100%, both sides. English is my second language. Right. Uh, uh, I learned it in school. I grew up in New York City. Okay. So, you know, New Albanian household in New York. Um, and then, and I've been here for, uh, I first got here in, in 98. So, you know, got to 20 years on and, you know, back and forth. Yeah. Yeah. But when I first came, and you see the country change in that time, yeah, the last 20 years, you know, uh, intro to film is just trying to recreate what we saw. Like I had me <laughs> and a gang of kids, uh, we were, you know, we were like preteens, uh, being influenced by the things that were coming out in the late eighties and early nineties. Yeah. And we were just, you know, naive enough and stupid enough to think that we could make, you know, Terminator Two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Before yeah. Terminator Two came out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we heard it coming out, and we loved Terminator One, and we're like, "Hey, let's do, let's we do the sequel to Terminator Two, <laughs> and we did it. <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah. It was awesome. <laughs> it was like you know, nine year old kids, you know, trying to do, um, you know, stop animation. Yeah. And then, and then, of course, we never finished it before Terminator Two came out. So when we saw T Two. And we thought, oh my God, it just blew our minds <laughs> yeah, with yeah. the liquid metal effects. You guys remember that? You guys, yeah, are, yeah, did you yeah. see Terminator? Please tell me. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, we had, I mean, how would you do if you're like 12 <laughs> and, and, you know, you're in Brooklyn and, you, yeah. you know, you've got nothing, but like, you know, a, a home video camera that you kind of borrowed from a friend's friend, how do you do that liquid metal yeah, effect? Yeah. <laughs> and, we were and talking, was, another filmmaker, I think it was Ian Hunt Duffy, we were talking like, how times have changed that we all saw that at like birthday parties like oh, Jesus you know, we Christ yeah, yeah, yeah. eight year old or nine year old I, I, I really worry about the kids because they haven't seen like you know the Godfather when they're six <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know I weep for the my dad would let me watch anything <laughs> yeah yeah I remember watching like Nightmare on Elm Street when I was like not supposed to be watching it yeah I remember the I remember the night it, like not being able to sleep. Like I don't remember watching the film so much as not being able to sleep for about a week <laughs> yeah, after. Yeah, yeah. You know, and then revisiting again, saying, "Oh my god, scared the shit out of me for like a month." Yeah, I'm scared, but it's so good. Yeah, yeah stick it on today, again. They just don't get that. They're they not just getting don't scared. Get that. Ah, you're missing out, kids. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, there's there's too many options. They're too scattered. You know, like mm. like back in the day, you know, like on a Monday, you can all be talking about what you watched over the weekend, and you'd yeah. be watching the same things. Yeah. 
Like you would watch, like like you know, in my t- you'd be watching that episode of Seinfeld, or you'd watch that mm-hmm. film that like everybody would see Titanic, and then you'd have all watched it, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. now it's like, oh, I'll catch it again, and yeah. I mean, it's like you know, I don't know. It's like such it cuts both ways. Like I was saying this the other night. You put on Netflix, right? And we all got these fucking cues that go on forever. You don't watch anything. I'm like, there's the new Coen Brothers film. There's Roma. Mm-hmm. There's this. Yeah. There's that. Mm-hmm. It's all being like given to you. And yeah. you're like, uh, I haven't watched that watch. These are yeah. films that I would have waited online to get tickets for to see. Yeah. yeah. And then they totally, come to your living room. Yeah, and like, d- eh, totally dilutes it. it. Um, aren't the Criterion Collection? They're, 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 they're launching a, They're launching their own platform. Mm-hmm. That'll be interesting. That's But we won't arrive here for two or three years. Yeah. Like a, like a streaming platform? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That'd be incredible. Yeah. Yeah, then Disney have theirs that they're due, and it'll be it kind of will be roundabout way right back to cable. And so before yeah. you have all these channels, <laughs> and you're like, oh, th- there's too many things I don't know to watch, and it's like now I can pick myself, yeah. and now there's you can you, you know you're buying the channels, just, or you can go to the cinema and see Cellar Door. You can do that as well. It's a much <laughs> much better. Idea. I think my prediction is I think people are going to go back to like movie clubs, kind of almost like book clubs, where we we arrange it every Sunday, someone picks a movie. And we're gonna watch that because it's very, it's so hard mm. to actually pick the movie and like especially movies like that that are a bit challenging mm. when there's you know there's so much kind of easy watching stuff. I watched yeah, the yeah. new fucking serial killer thing on Netflix. Uh, you know? it's, it's it's garbage. Yeah. Um, so what 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 kind of influ- what filmmakers uh, genres influenced you when you were younger apart from James Cameron? And liquid me- <laughs> and liquid metal, polyalloy, whatever it is. Well, it was it wasn't that for us. It was tinfoil for us. That's how we did that. <laughs> yeah, right. Tinfoil and stop animation. Foster <laughs> parents are dead. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, look, I I I grew up at a, the best time for yeah. film. You know, like can you imagine what's coming out from the nineties from Tarantino, Robert Rodriguez, yeah. uh, like Chris Nolan stuff coming up at the end of nineties, early two mm. thousands. Um, that kind of, you know, and then on top of that, the kind of feel good '80s John Hughes films you gotta love, you know. Yeah. yeah. Um. So I just, you know, I just loved all, you know, I, I, you know, it's just what always comes down to it is just like voice driven, point of view driven cinema. Mm-hmm. Like whose point of view is it, you know? And these guys like Robert Rod- uh, Robert uh, Rodriguez, but also Robert Zemeckis mm-hmm. was a huge influence with films like Forrest Gump, mm-hmm. Contact. You know, these are like I think, I, I mean, those are kind of bigger kind of studio films. But they have such a specific point of view, yeah. you know, they, they had such a great kind of, uh, you know, it's like, I, I think all those kind of director driven, you know, voice driven, you know, they, yeah. they don't feel like they're committee made. You know, I think we've lost a bit of those kind of films. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. It's um, So you're not a snob, a movie snob, no, it sounds no, like either. No, no. Well, or it's, it's like a, a coffee snob. I like all coffee. I like bad coffee and good coffee. <laughs> I like everyone. How are you going to enjoy the good coffee, right? So, no, I like I like all films that just make you, you know, you know what I like? I like films that stay with you, that you think about, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and, you know, films like, we, you know, I did another interview and, and we were talking about uh, Cellar Door and the title. And, and I don't know if you guys saw Donnie Darko. Yeah. mentioned yeah. that title. Mm. And, you know, and, and when you think about it, like that's, you know, what, 20 years ago. Yeah. And, and people know that one throw, it has nothing to do with the film. It's yeah, just yeah. a throwaway moment in the film um, that, that stays with you. Now, you yeah. watch any of these films that are coming out now. I, I mean, in 20 years, are you going to remember you know, a frame yeah, yeah. of any of the Avengers films. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. You know, you may, I may not. Yeah. No. <laughs> not, not for me. I'm not a fan. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, so then how did you, when did you first start? You did a bit of acting? Was that your first kind of phrase that, into working in film? Or? No, I, I mean, 
I don't know if I, you know, I, I probably did because you probably saw it somewhere. Um, but right, it was yeah. all my, my path to directing, you right, know, from, right. from when I was, you know, my kind of, you know, first, you know, I guess, I guess, um, working in, in the industry was just being a, you know, teenager in New York, yeah. you know, fake ID, lying about my age to try to get on film sets. Right. You know, so like 14, 15, 16, just, just crew, grid, yeah. electric, you know, yeah. just, Anything to to get there and learn, yeah. get you know, and then eventually get get cameras and start making stuff. And was there there was still a lot of stuff getting made there? Is it different yeah. now in New York? Uh, there's, it's no, so it's always busy. It's right, always yeah. busy, and yeah. I think it's been opened up. I think from from uh, from you know the red camera was the thing that just kind of exploded that that really, that yeah. indie world where you can start kind of accessing tools that you couldn't before. Mm-hmm. And I think post as well. I mean, I think Apple revolutionized post right. when they came up with Final Cut. Um, and then it was like a, a thousand bucks, you know, yeah. and then anyone can cut. That was the thing that's held us back. Yeah. We, I mean, we used to, like we say, I, you know, the, a lot of the buddies that I grew up with are still in the industry, you mm-hmm. know. Um, and we always say, like, imagine even with your phone now, like imagine if we had an iMac with iMovie. Yeah. back then yeah. you know we we you know there was cameras and you can record yeah. on like high eight or vhsc i remember these yeah. little compact vhs but once you once you once you filmed it like what are you going to do with it there was no way yeah. to cut it yeah you yeah, know there's yeah. no way to put you know text on it or or, yeah. or credits or yeah so we you know we the whole two vcrs thing <laughs> yeah. yeah you guys even know what i'm talking about record yeah but even before that what we did was we just film like like we did it in camera yeah. So yeah, our yeah. first kind of like trying to put stories together, like, yeah, yeah, it's stop. And then you yeah. say your line yeah, and then, yeah. okay, you stop and you say your line and just film it like that. So by the end of the day, you had a finished film, Yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, so it was, yeah, I mean, like it was working on sets, get a, get a sense of the tools and, 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 and all those skills. And then, you know, everywhere, like in all different kind of roles, yeah. um, but all the journey to, to, to make films like Salvador. Cool. Could you tell us about, uh, coming home? what it's about, how, how I just saw the trailer. It looks amazing. I'd, I'd love to see it. At some yeah. point. Um, uh, kind of the challenges of making, cause it seems like a very, very personal film. Yeah, it was a very personal film. You know, it was, it was, um, unlike, you know, I speak to other documentary filmmakers or doc, I don't consider myself one to, to documentary. I just approached it. Not like a documentary. Right. Mm. It was myself and Rob flood, more or less a two man band who was an amazing cinematographer. Um, and this guy called Angel, who, who just, you know, who's about to come out of prison. Um, and, you know, we had about 20 or I think it was like 25 shooting days. And every day I felt like it was this magical, like, like uh, every day I was like, there's my ending. There's my ending, you know, because mm-hmm, yeah. we got this incredible um, kind of, uh, you know, emotional, like, uh, you know, his journey of coming home from prison. Um, after being, uh, you know, spending 13 years for a crime that that he did not commit. Actually, the first day of filming was was you know the real criminal com- confessing to the crime. Wow. So it was, just, and, you know, and I thought, okay, wow, there's the whole film. Yeah. Um, and the second day of filming was a- Angel in prison. We had an hour and a half with him, so we filmed this hour and a half long interview. And afterwards, I came out thinking, if you just put opening credits and end credits on that hour and a half you have a film it was the most incredible hour and a half yeah Yeah, it was he was just so compelling and i thought oh wow well there's the film you know and then day three it was so you know it was just this amazing kind of um yeah it was amazing experience and you know challenging in technically challenging trying to get all that stuff when no crew and you're you know you're shooting it in you know on big lenses and big cameras and um you know you're trying to make it look cinematic but it takes a lot of mm, you know yeah. resource to make it look cinematic, and you're trying to work around them. And it's 
people's real lives and it's people real yeah it's all that as well right. it's all that you're it's very much like kind of wildlife photography where when it's on you're kind of step back and you, yeah. you you let it go and then you're in the midst of these huge kind of family you know this family kind of event that's yeah. going on you know yeah um and this like uh you well, know, I don't have to do any work at all Look, yeah, you just it's, you just it's happening yeah. well <laughs> was it kind of a fly on the wall it, on the wall kind it, of it thing? was it was just yeah it was just a really really big fly <laughs> <laughs> that in the shape of rob flood was about eight feet tall <laughs> holding a steady cam rig <laughs> it was that you know yeah, yeah. but they got used to it very quickly yeah. and we became kind of part of the family you know but there's stuff in it where he's he's like um you know he's on parole Mm. And and he you know he has to break parole in Even order to continue doing what he wanted to do. And yeah. like we had that dilemma of are we f- like we're essentially filming him commit yeah. a crime? You know? Yeah, we're we gonna oh, hang him. Yeah, oh, yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, yeah exactly. And so is that how we bring him risk? Crime. He was still um, Yeah, he wasn't exon- He's still fighting to, to clear his name. Uh, okay. The Innocence Project took on the case, and hopefully they they exonerate him. He he just he finished his sentence. He didn't get exonerated. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah. Okay. There was a there was a, another appeal that was granted because of the confession, mm. um, but then on a, I mean look the rever- I mean we the other thing is we've been kind of m- I, more understanding the American justice system, you know because shows, uh, shows like Megan a Murder and all mm. these shows, mm. Mm. Um, and you see that there is no reverse gear. They do not want to admit they've made a mistake. True, it yeah. is so easier just to you know yeah. um, c- continue you know keep these. I think it's like a high nineties percent conviction rate if you get arrested. Right. It's it's like. You know, there is no exonerations. They're yeah. relatively rare. You know, and very few actually go to court, right? Very, to yeah, trial, very, like, very few yeah. go to trial. Most of them are are like plea bargains. Yeah, yeah, because I think people, if people know the system, it's it's a tough system to get out from under. If if you got caught up in it and you didn't deserve to be. Yeah. Did you see the Khalif Brider? No, which you know, um, I think it's called Time. It's it's on Netflix. It's, if I don't know if you've had overload of like it's the, it's the, on the American queue. justice, but yeah, it, it's very <laughs> yeah. good. But yeah, just this kid in New York, uh, black kid got arrested for something he didn't do and wouldn't take a plea, wouldn't admit, wouldn't say that he did it because he didn't, and ended up spending I think two years or three years in Rikers and like you know vicious, yeah. like, like uh, had a really tough time. The documentary is really interesting because it, it looks it's all kind of about what that does to your head yeah that yeah. kind of time you know i find a lot of that stuff very very emotional you know yeah. i mean rikers is is hell on earth you know right, and yeah. and you know people that go through that system you know it's just i i think guilty or innocent if you yeah. just take that out of the equation no matter what it's like well i don't know i don't think i think it's a broken system and i think if you put in someone that's clearly innocent in that system it's even more heartbreaking i yeah. think we're going to look i think america's going to look back in 100 years or 200 years and look back yeah. at this time in terms of criminal justice and, and be embarrassed yeah i think it's an awful time for american criminal justice yeah mm. and uh, a lot of these netflix shows are highlighting that yeah it is one of the good things one of the great things about documentary so you said you don't really see yourself as a documentary maker but it, whatever story comes along like yeah i think look i think it's it's kind of i don't know i mean i don't see a divide i i see yeah. coming home and cellar door if you watch them side by side it's it's you know they're two different films but yeah. there's the i think it's the same vo- i think it's my voice yeah mm. um and that goes you know to i guess the amount of kind of creative energy you go and put to it so if if you know another film becomes you know a horror or comedy or you know i wouldn't say i'm, I'm a comedy filmmaker you know yeah yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I don't see it as much as a storyteller i'm a storyteller yeah i think it's totally storytelling and i think it's working towards wor- working towards an ending that's mm-hmm. how you know those the similarities of both films yeah you work towards you know a, a 
definitive, you know, something that's inevitable yet unpredictable mm. ending. And then <laughs> I think that's the, you know, ex- I think that that's the experience I look for. You know, when you watch films like Memento mm. yeah. or you watch films like, um, you know, like Donnie Darko we mentioned or, you know, The Sixth Sense, you know, or, or like Pulp Fiction, any of these, you think when it gets to the end, it's like you, you, you're satisfied yeah. and you want to keep talking about it. Yeah, it's yeah. that feeling, yeah. you know? Yeah. 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 yeah, so that's that's what I look for in a, in a project, in a story. Cool. How did you go about casting Cellar Door? We had um, Louise Kiley and her team um, on board, uh, you know, and we, we searched far and wide for the 80 character. You know, she was yeah. she was a very, had something very specific in mind. Okay. Um, there was this confidence and this vulnerability, you know, and this kind of like um, grit, yeah. uh, as well as there's this kind of like like Dorothy quality, and there's this kind of Alice in Wonderland quality, otherworldly quality to the character, and and we just saw a huge amount of talent out there. There's a lot, there's a lot mm-hmm. of really talented actors, mm-hmm. um, you know. But there was something about Karen who who, who played the role wonderfully, um, who who just you know it, it, because it's not really about talent; it's more about fit. You know, yeah, it's, yeah, it's more yeah. about personality and fit and, yeah. um, and, and approach, you know. Um, so a lot of, you know, although there's a lot of great actors out there, Karen kind of, I don't know, she, she just fits She was own. great for it. She was great for it, yeah. 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 And uh, watching it, I was kind of struck, like, it must have been a certain level of stamina because yeah, oh, you put I a shooter ring really. all the time. Yeah, <laughs> I say that's active. Now, you know, I've, t- I've you know, taught actors in the past, and I t- that's one of the first things I say. Right. Yeah, it's yeah. stamina. Right. And they don't get it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but when you're doing these days and they're long days and, and they're, you know, shooting out of order and you're, you're kind of, and especially in an intense film, mm. and there's this, you know, um, you need an emotional, you need an emotional stamina as well yeah. as a physical stamina. Yeah. You know, you need to be able to go and then do it. Yeah. when it counts because a lot of the times you don't you don't get to do it again yeah you know like you yeah. shoot out that location and then you, you go to bed that night and you're thinking oh man i, I didn't give it my all mm. um it's a it's a terrible feeling for an actor so then if you go back and give it their all and like, like can you sustain that in the yeah. lead role for a month yeah mm. you know so uh, it requires a lot of that you did know? you shoot in sequence or? no we shot um you know it's funny we had a 20-day shoot you know and we myself and rob had this game plan um, and this style, this approach where the whole film could have been made in, in 50 or 60 shots, you know, because the, the point was every scene, you, you know, you kind of do it in one take and then you, you, you know, find your best take and then you show the next scene. It was a very still way. It was very kind of like near like still frames, a little bit of camera moves, dolly, steady cam, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And then day three, we, we thought, you know what, that's that's not working. So we started really? reshooting. <laughs> really? We threw it all out. Yeah, yeah. Well, we, at least um, you had the courage to do that. Yeah, well, I mean, that's why I go back to people like David Collins and John Wallace, who's the you know our, our, our producer on set as well, and the and 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 you know Mary Callery from the film board at the time, the financers, and um, you know these people were hugely supportive of the vision. I don't say that lightly because when you come, you know, to set on on day four and you say I'm going to redo one, two, and three, because yeah. now now I know what, what this should be like, and and just breaking free from that rigid structure. 
and then now you suddenly you have like um, you know you you lost effectively day one, two, and three. So you have a seventeen day shoot. Wow. Yeah, you know, yeah. and you have to do everything. No pressure, like No, no pressure at all. But you know, I was like, look, we're never gonna get that. You know, I we we were shooting in this amazing location, and I kind of I felt like as soon as we wrap, it's gonna be turned into apartments, which I think it has been done. I'm like, we're never gonna come back here again. Yeah. We have these days. I'm just looking at the calendar and thinking, okay, now I have a little bit less time, but I need to get this film, and I need yeah. to get it the way the story needs to be gotten. Yeah. You know, so that's that became kind of you know a lot of the story of the film, which is you know the style that you see and mm. and the edit and all that came about by having you know the courage to throw away a year's worth of work. Wow, yeah. Jesus, it, was, okay. it was not fun because it's <laughs> yeah. I mean, having seen it, it's hard to imagine it. I know any other way. Yeah, is, you know? yeah, yeah. No, it's just it's funny. It's like it's all theory until it's on set, and then right. you think. Wow, that's not that's not as good as it can be. It's not even it's not as good. It was too good. That was the problem. The right. problem was actually it was too pretty. Right. Mm. I was like, this is like cinematic, and this yeah. is like you know like big heavy cameras and big heavy moves, and it felt like films that we were influenced by, but it didn't feel it didn't feel like an emotional accuracy. It felt like you needed some more kinetic energy to it. Yeah, yeah. Did you hear that, folks? Have the courage of your own convictions when you're working. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Because you know what? It's like if you don't if you don't believe fully in what you're doing, it's hard to get anybody else to believe fully in what you're doing. Yeah. And even now, like a year later, like I got to talk to you guys about it and then other people about it. And it's like, you know, back, you know, do you do you want any regrets? You don't want to be. I'll tell you, for all the filmmakers out there, you do not want to be sitting here talking to people like yourselves and have any regrets about how it went. Yeah, you there's been push. one or two filmmakers we spoke to recently, and you know, and and I know from you know from the industry as well. There's some films that they felt kind of slipped away from them yeah. in that kind of early stage of when they were working. And it's like, okay, we finished it. Let's I, fix it. But I'm not happy with it. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, that's yeah. not my film. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'd say, you know, I'd say, it ha really, I'd say it happens more often than not. You mm -hmm. know, and if you look at the statistics, like how many people do a second film? You know, Lots, like, yeah. Very, very few. Depressing. <laughs> yeah, it's very depressing. It's yeah. tough. And I think part of it is because it becomes this fucking beast. Yeah. All these people and all these decisions that were made. And, and now you have this insane pressure to implement all those decisions in a very short amount of time where a lot of money's on the line. And then it can go wrong. It's like it's like if you're if you're driving from wherever to wherever, right? And it's like a hundred mile drive. Yeah. Like it, all it takes is one wrong turn. It's like ice road truckers. It's like ice road truckers. You took the words out of my mouth. It's exactly <laughs> what you said. Uh, yeah, I, ca I can't imagine the, the the pressure that you'd be under, um, even with a relatively you know moderate budget that yeah. you'd have over here but you know it's yeah. like you're carrying See, a lot of antiques in the back of that truck yeah of, exactly yeah. you know and you're, you're carrying a lot of people's kind of uh you know investments mm -hmm. you don't have people invested in the film they invested mm -hmm. their time they invested you know their kind of creativity their mm -hmm. expertise yeah. you know like and it, you know the, you know you're building sets and designing dresses and you know there's departments and i think budget it's like once you once you're making a film no matter what the budget is like on set, the, the scale is, is kind of the same. It's just the bigger budgets, people are getting paid more. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, or there's a specific type of stunt or effects. Or, but generally, if you're talking about camera and sound and production design, you know, AD department, like, the, you know, like one set is just like the other set for the most part. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, you're still kind of leading an army of people that yeah. got to be fed and they've got to, you know, you know. So, yeah, it's, it's, you know, to kind of change direction in the middle of it was, you know, was not an easy decision. <laughs> it wasn't. Yeah. But I'm so glad I made it. I am so glad. 
you know, because now so, there's no regrets. So you're happy with your film? Is that what you're trying to say? I am. I have, I'm proud to say I'm happy with my film. Absolutely. Good, good I'm proud you. to say it because, you know, you, you know, I see, I see, look, it's it's only kind of half the equation until people watch it, right? Yeah, yeah. Otherwise, you're just watching in your, you know, by yourself in your own space thinking, yeah, I think it's good, but is it, I mean, does it, you know, if a tree falls, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Does it fucking matter? Yeah, yeah, and then yeah, people yeah. go see it, and then I, I realize that it's like telepathy. You're trying to communicate emotion through the 90 minutes of images. And if they get the emotion on the other side of it, you've, you've, you've done, you know, I've done my job. And then now, you know, that's why I'm proud of it, because on the other side of the equation, the audience see it, and then they've gotten what I'm saying, and then you feel like, okay, that's done. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm happy with that, you know? And then technically, technically, like every frame of it was like, like you know, what I wanted in there. It was mm. forensic. Would you, <laughs> would you have any advice for filmmakers who are trying to make it from shorts into features about how, how do you bridge that? How do you bridge that gap, gap? And then if you get what you want, if you care for what you wish for, how do you manage the, the difference then, you know, in scale? Um, there's a lot of advice, you know, yeah. uh, don't do it, it's, it's actually the, uh, run away, no, go find a real job. Um, no, it, you know what it is? It is, that is the advice. Yeah. Advice is don't do it. And if you take my advice, then you should have taken my advice. And if you don't, okay, you're into the next step. Right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, if yeah. that shakes you and you think yeah. maybe I shouldn't do it, well then you, you have your answer. Okay. And if you get past that, the second bit of advice is just trust your gut. It's like, you know, but that's what people ultimately, as filmmakers, if you have a, you know, if you look at a short, you, you know, generally the director is this kind of, you know, the creative kind of auteur of a short. This tends to what ha be what happens, you know, it's, it's, and then it's like a smaller project. So then you can kind of put your voice on and your stamp on it more because instead of like a 30 day shoot, it's like a three day shoot or whatever, you know, it's mm. easier to sustain. You don't need as much stamina and grit. Mm. And I think that should teach you to tr to listen to trust your gut and develop your gut. And then once you once you stick to it, you know you're gonna have it pulled in a million different ways. If you stick to it, and you you, you know you think I am gonna be the one talking about it afterwards, not the people that want to take shortcuts, or not the people that are not putting their all, um, not the people that that you know don't get the vision. You surround yourself with supportive people that get what you're trying to say, and they want to contribute to the conversation. Because it's not like when I say it's a kind of singular vision, you know, it's a bit. You know, like, like I'd have to kind of elaborate on that because, you know, like my DP's vision is in the film. It's, it's completely him yeah. because he's a better cinematographer than I'll ever be. So what I'm doing is allowing him the space to be his best. Same thing with the, with the cast. I wrote the character and when I'm directing uh, the actor, you know, it's not my performance. It's, it's her performance. And I, you can't dictate that. Otherwise, she just becomes like, like a vehicle for what you want to do. Mm -hmm. You've got to be give her the space to do what she wants to do. Do yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So you're like a conductor, and you're trying to get people to kind of work at their creative best in, in and give them the space to do so. And that's when it comes in, mm -hmm. you know. So I think that's actually the, the advice: is give pe like be understanding of of the direction, but give people the space to to you know. Do, do you think teaching has helped you with that process? Yeah, the absolutely. idea of observing as well as, uh, as absolutely. Well as and I know I, I love I love teaching, and I'll always teach. I love it because you know it, you know it gets you you know like you don't really know. I don't think you know anything until <laughs> None of us you have to teach it. Anything. <laughs> right. yeah, 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 you know, yeah. we don't know shit. But what you don't know anything until yeah, you have yeah. to teach it. And you have to, like, as a father, you know that with your kids, you know, because your kids are like, you know, 
um, you know, asking a million questions, and you think, well, they're oh, they're they're the ones doing the teaching, right? The well, kids. yeah, yeah. Uh, well, my kids, <laughs> they're doing the ruling. Um, you know, you, I I love teaching for that. It's like it kind of solidifies, you know, the extent of your knowledge because you've got to condense it and give it to someone else. So you're always learning. I see it. I don't see it as such a like when I when I do a workshop, it's it's always. I mean always in the round everyone sits in a circle and then that's how it starts yeah because i see myself very much part of it you're learning from like the 20 people as much as they're learning from you um and and it's this you know and then together it's the same thing with directing together you're creating a space where you can kind of whatever the task of that workshop is you can create that as opposed to like lecturing or dictating it's not one-sided it's very much two-sided um, so then you you get better and you get better and hopefully bringing people up and then you're being mentored above you and bringing people up from from you know the younger people you're kind of giving them you know a, a rope um, you know because I didn't have look I grew up in Brooklyn with fucking like nothing like that <laughs> do you know what I mean like yeah. like James Cameron was my <laughs> yeah. my teacher you know yeah. you know so you know and then there was no way to communicate how he did that goddamn liquid metal effect <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like you know so you know it's it's all part of this that's part of the conversations like this and you know yeah. is there any uh, filmmaker that dead or alive that you would love to have lunch with and ask all of these questions to? um yeah tones uh <laughs> I probably picked the dead ones. Yeah, I probably yeah. pick Orson Welles actually. Right. Okay. Probably, I'd I'd love to kind of have an in depth chat about about uh, about Citizen Kane. Yeah. And, yeah. and about some of those, you know, and Touch of Evil and a few other things that that yeah. um, um, you know that that he kind of pioneered. Uh, Kubrick would be one. Hitchcock definitely. Yeah. You know these kind of people. Yeah. I think they'd be good fun to be around as well. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. Um, cool. We better leave it there. But I uh, just want to say congrats on the film. It's, it's fantastic and best of luck with everything. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. And and while it's out in the cinemas, guys, go check out Cellar Door. Oh, oh, um, yeah. And just in case if, if, if people don't get a chance to pick it up, uh, will it be on VOD or streaming? Or Eventually, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so all, all that stuff, all that stuff is to come. Um, but now it's, it's yeah, in the cinema. It's, in the cinema. Where yeah, it it's definitely a cinema. Man. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Cool. Thanks a minute. Cheers. Thanks, guys.